You're listening to Beyond the Pulpit with Pastor Brent Snook from First Baptist Church of Glen Esty in Cincinnati, Ohio. In today's episode, we're taking a look at the life of Jonah and discussing some practical issues of daily life, such as following God's will instead of your own, the dangers of letting pride creep in, and the importance of sharing your faith on a regular basis. We hope today's episode is an encouragement to you as you continue to follow Jesus each day. Thanks for joining us again at Beyond the Pulpit Podcast. I'm here again with my dad, Brent Snook, and um, we've been on vacation, so it's been a little while since we've done a podcast. We were on vacation together. Our podcast producer guy was on vacation, and so now we're back. And dad, how was your trip? My with me, was, so say nice things. Say it again. <laughs> I said with me, so yeah, say nice things. Yeah, it was it was a great trip. It was. Uh, I prayed before we went, and God answered prayer. No drama that I can remember, so it was all good with fourteen people, and it's always it's always great to. Uh, we were in Florida, so it's always great to be in Florida because I love the hot sun and the beach, and it's always great to be with my kids and sons-in-law and my wonderful seven grandchildren. Yes, yes. Well, you um, we're kind of in the middle of a series here at church, people like you and me, and I know it's been a blessing to me and so many people here at church, and all of you who maybe listen and don't go to our church, you can find it at um, the podcast that has your sermons, the First Pulpit Podcast, and so... Um, I actually listened to it today. Just another round, Dad, of Jonah. Is that because <laughs> you needed it or what? just uh, wanted to refresh I probably your memory? Did. I probably did. But okay. I wanted to refresh my memory for because you did two weeks on Jonah. Right. And it was really, really great, honestly. And I, you know, you hear these stories and you're like, I know what that is. Like, what, what am I going to learn that's new? And each week... There was something new that I took away from it. So I'm thankful for what God laid on your heart to share. But just um, to kind of start out talking about Jonah, what what would you say most people, like, what do they relate to with Jonah's life? There was so much that was brought out. But what would you say most Christians could relate to in his life? I think there's two things that come to my mind. And uh, it is good to be back with doing this podcast. I uh, always enjoy it, and so many people have said that they have benefited from it, and they listen to it, and so it keeps us going. But I would say to that two things come to my mind that people can identify with. The first thing, and not to start out on a negative note, but Jonah is is a pretty challenging uh, prophet of God, and when it calls him when he's down in the ship, and they're in a great huge storm. And it calls him, oh, sleeper. And I think of that oftentimes for, here's the prophet of God, and he's called the sleeper. Well, he sure was. He was sleeping when God needed him to, and wanted him to go, of course, to Nineveh, but he was running. And in the middle of a huge storm, he's down there in the bottom of the ship, while all the sailors who live on the sea, they are panicked, and he's down there sleeping. And I can't help but think of how oftentimes God's people, it's easy for them to be sleeping rather than to be fervently serving. And 
so I think that a lot of people can identify with that. If we're honest with our, um, with one another, all of us probably know what it is to be uh, lulled to sleep in our Christianity and not really be as passionate as we ought to be. And then the second area that uh, I think most people can identify with, and if they can't identify with it yet, they certainly will. And that is that when he was in the belly of the fish, then he's desperately praying. And so he opens up his his heart to the Lord and he cries out with a repentant prayer. And, um, you know, sometimes our desperate prayers are not always prayers of repentance, but sometimes they're just prayers of need. And so I think that those two areas that most Christians probably can identify with, we know what it is to sometimes not be as passionate as we ought to be in our Christian life. And right. we would be called, actually, Romans tells us, uh, awake unto righteousness. And um, boy, why does he tell us to awake? Why does Paul say that? Because it's easy for us to just kind of be lulled to sleep in our Christianity. And so those two things really come to my mind. And I think that those are the... Um, things that just pop into my heart of where most Christians probably can identify with. Sleeping at times when we ought to be passionate and then desperately praying when we're in agony of soul and uh, with life. And I know that what that's all about now, I certainly can say that. And I think that probably a lot of people know what that is. And so you would say you've experienced both of those in yes. your life? Yes, I think I would be... Um, it would be wrong for me to say that I don't know what it is to feel like I am a bit lukewarm at times. And, um, you know, I need to take that verse on in Romans 13 and I need to awake out of my sleep. I remember sharing this in Mexico where I preached, uh, just, uh, early in the summer at a pastor's conference there. And I was sharing how that when COVID hit, and I was no longer preaching three times a week. I was no longer counseling, going, doing hospital calls. I was no longer having meetings and doing all the things that a senior pastor does. I sat in my recliner and I remember thinking, uh, Brent, are you, are you getting lukewarm? And uh, I was reading my Bible. I was still praying. I was doing all the things I've always done, but I felt a coldness of heart come on. And uh, I actually... And I don't know why, and it's even hard to sometimes share this, but I sat there and questioned myself, is Jesus really enough for you, Brent? Is he totally 100% enough? And uh, never expected three months later to find out what I found out, that my wife's cancer was back. And mm -hmm. certainly at this point, never thought that I'd be sitting here uh, in my present condition, but I am. And uh, those are the two things that came to my mind, and it certainly woke me up out of any lethargy that I had, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, and another thing about Jonah that I think everybody who knows his story knows is that, you know, God asked him to do something, and he just didn't want to do it, <laughs> you know? And so because I get to ask you the hard questions on this— You do. Um, has there ever been a time in your life when God has asked you to do something and you haven't wanted to do it, or maybe you've ignored it for as long as you could? Has there been anything like that? Well, what comes to my mind 
the first thing that comes to my mind was 35 years ago when uh, a small little church running about 50, 60 people sitting in Claremont County, the uh, uh, outside of Cincinnati, gave me a call and wanted me to come and candidate at the church. And I did. I was open to going anywhere God wanted me to go. And Joy and I uh, flew to Cincinnati. And the first, very first night uh, that we went to the campfire, um, I knew God was not, he, there's no way that he could expect me to come here. And then I spent Saturday and I spent Sunday. I preached Sunday morning, Sunday night. And then I went through questioning and and I went home on the flight thinking in my heart, there's absolutely no way under the sun that I'm coming to this church. It wasn't so much that God said go and I said no, mm-hmm. but it was more of I'm sure God wouldn't do this to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, but it, it's a very interesting thing because, uh, you know, I really, I really began to search God. I wanted God's will. So I wasn't like Jonah in that I said no, mm-hmm. but it certainly wasn't a place that I wanted to come to. And, um, you know, God just worked in my life in two weeks. I remember three days later, they called me, wanted an answer. And I said, if you need an answer now, the answer is no. And they said, well, keep praying about it. And and I did. And I wanted God's will. So it's not an exact type of scenario like Jonah, right. but it certainly is a story in my life that I did not at all want to come here. And um, it was it had a lot of struggles at that time. But God worked it out. And through advice that I got, and I expected them to give me the kind of advice I wanted to hear, and they gave me just the opposite. Mm. My pastor, Dick Snavely, gave me just the opposite of what I expected him to say. And then another pastor in Illinois uh, gave me the advice that I did not expect him to give to me. And God just kept working in my life in those two weeks, and then we came. And what I can say by that is that I found out very quickly, and and it was a struggle for sure But uh, at the beginning, but I found out that being in God's will is the most satisfying place to be. And so um, I didn't run, but I certainly was hoping God wouldn't do that to me. But he did. And it was his direction for my life and for joys. And we came and how grateful I am for the fact that he sent me here. And I've been able to see God bring fruit over these years that I never, honestly, I never dreamed that I would see the things that God's allowed me to see, even when I was in seminary and preparing for ministry. So God's way is always the best way, and it's always the most satisfying and fulfilling way. Yeah. Well, and you also talked about, you know, in that part of the sermon or at some point that um, a lot of times we are like, well, this happened, so I think it's God's will for me to do that. And so I think my next question would be, how do you know, like, is there a way that you would give advice to somebody like, this is how you can discern whether it's your will or whether it's God's will? Because I think sometimes we don't want it to be God's will. And so we're kind of like, eh, right. you know, or we're like, oh yeah, that's for sure God's will, but it's actually not. It's just what we want. Right. How do right. you 
decide that or see that or know that? Well, I think the first thing that I would say to answer that is that you you got to know that you're in the center of God's will. You've got to be walking with God to right. make decisions to know that because it's very easy for us to be swayed because of money. It's very easy for us to be swayed because of a location. It's very easy for us to be swayed because of a lot of different things because mm-hmm. of ease. Nobody wants to go where it's hard, mm-hmm. but oftentimes Jonah was going to a place that was extremely hard. And so he he didn't wrestle with, is God telling me to go or not? He was wrestling with, I just don't want to go and I'm not going, Lord. He probably thought I've done enough for you and uh, I've done plenty. I've been a prophet of God for a long time and no, I'm not taking this assignment. So I think that the most important thing is that we know that we are in the center of God's will. And uh, that doesn't mean scrutinizing to the point that, well, I thought a wrong thought or I said a wrong thing last week. I'm not, that's, that doesn't disqualify us from knowing God's will. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when we know that we're walking with God, so everything in this area of knowing God's will is not easy. I struggled in that, my story about coming to First Baptist Glen Estee. I struggled in the will of God, striving to know what his, perfect will was for that situation. So make sure you're right with God and make sure your motives are right. Mm. But then what I do often when it's a big decision, I want to make sure that I get an answer from God's word. I want to make sure that I have peace about it. I want to see the circumstances around it. And then I seek counsel. I'm not going to run off. I've been in ministry a long time now, and I'm not going to run off without getting counsel from other pastors, from other people in the church, from our leadership team. And so it's very important to make sure that we are are doing those type of things. And, And I did that. I called my pastor. And I said, here's the situation. It's a troubled church. It's a very small church. I gave him all the negative stuff. Uh, that all the people were pretty much uh, senior citizens, which I love senior citizens, but I'm like, how are you going to build a church when, you know, there's no young people at all? And I really thought that he would say, Brent, be careful about going there. He didn't. He gave me his story. Mm-hmm. And then I did the same thing with another. He gave me his. And it's very interesting. Both of them were stories that when those pastors went to their church, it was a small church running about 80, 90, 100 people. They were all seniors. They were, they had had problems before. And I'm like, hold it, man. God, what are you doing? This is the same story. Mm -hmm. And so I got counsel and God leads you to know his will. And sometimes it takes a little more time. I'm not going to jump at something. I had another situation a number of years ago where a good church called me and wanted me to consider taking a, a, a new pastorate. Mm. And I honestly, I, I didn't want to go. Mm. God is working yeah. so much here at First Baptist and, and building programs after relocating and people being saved. And I told them no. And they said, well, would you pray about it? Well, I hadn't even prayed about it. Mm. Well, you're kind of like, like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to pray about it. I wanted to stay right here <laughs> because I was seeing so much. But here's what happened. I went to bed, and about two nights later, 
I woke up, I mean, straight up, and I couldn't sleep for anything. And I knew, I mean, I knew why I wasn't sleeping, because I hadn't even prayed about it. Hmm. I went downstairs, and I began to pray, and I prayed for several days, Lord, is this what you want? And God then made it clear. He gave me peace that it was not the move. But it scared me. Mm-hmm. Because it was out of my, it wasn't out of my comfort zone, but it wasn't something I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think I just think about even all the things here that you've gone through, like building different add-ons and things like that. Right. And you have to feel, you know, like okay, God's leading me here, but there's also like a pressure of like people pleasing too, sure. and, and all sure. of that. And so it's every every senior pastor knows that uh, I can remember when I was a youth pastor in Illinois um, pastor always you know leaned on me and, and didn't lean on me but ask advice and I was there with him going through the ministry with him and um, but when something extremely difficult came you know upon the shoulders of the pastor it was like hey what I wonder what you're gonna do now it wasn't on me So there's so many things as a senior pastor that, yes, I don't ever want to lead a church or a ministry (laughs) through anything that is going to hurt. I want to, I want to progress. It's easy to not take steps of faith. It is easy to sit status quo. It is easy to say, I'm not taking any risks. And that can be just comfortable, but that's not God's plan. And God's plan, it is to go into the highways highways and hedges and compel them to come in Mm -hmm. to build the saints through the word of God, the teaching of his word, through many different small groups and all of the ministries, but it's also to reach the lost. And so, you know, it's crucial for us to step out by faith. Buildings, yeah, that's a huge step of faith Mm -hmm. to lead a church into building programs, but I'm so grateful that I took that step of faith. Mm-hmm. You can call it risk. That might not be the best word. It's more of a step of faith. You know, right. did Joshua, when he walked into the promised land, was that risky? Sure it was, humanly speaking, but he went by faith. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things that I look around these buildings and I can see a, a lot of steps of faith that had to be taken. And does a senior pastor, does a pastor do that with 100% uh, you know, confidence that God has led him? Probably not. Mm. Probably not. And that may surprise most people that are listening to this podcast. But I can tell you that sitting status quo is comfortable, and that's how we become O-sleepers. Yeah. We just get comfortable. And so God has led me, I believe, to lead the church in relocating in, uh, you know, numerous different building programs. And it wasn't easy, but it was steps of faith. And I'm so Mm -hmm. grateful that I had a church filled with people that said, we trust we're going to pray and we're going to trust our leader and we're going to, of course, vote and make those decisions with him. But man, I've had a supportive church and I am more grateful to the people of First Baptist than they'll ever know. Well, and even just like you just said about a step of faith, you know, in that 
the things are because you have a passion to see people accept Christ, a passion to reach the lost. And so with that is another question of, you know, how do you, how would you encourage Christians to make sure that they are cultivating that in their life, that they're seeing, you know, a passion for the lost? Well, that's a great question. Uh, Fear is the greatest hindrance to most Christians sharing their faith. It's fear. I, I was thinking, I've got a granddaughter that's uh, now she's get, got her temps. She has her temps and she's getting ready to drive, you know, and all excited about it. But you know what? Most teens are fearful mm-hmm. of driving, but their passion so outweighs their fear that it goes to the wayside and all of them are driving today. Mm-hmm. And I thought of that when it comes to soul winning. I, I believe that it is crucial for us to have a greater passion than what our fear is. I will never forget. I will never, ever forget. I'll go to my grave unless I get Alzheimer's and can't mm. remember. But I will go to my grave remembering when God gave me a passion. I went, I was working at a Christian camp on Kelly's Island. And I had only been right with God for about five months. And I went to that camp and I was working. And the uh, director of the camp had a f- small plane. And he said, Brent, I'm going to a conference, an, uh, just a one-night conference by a great preacher. And I'm going to Finley. Do you want to go? That's where I'm from. I okay. said, man, I've never been in a plane. So sure, I'd love to go. And I wanted to hear this guy. And I'll never forget getting on the plane after that night of his preaching. And I'll never forget going up into the air and just begging God, begging him to help me to become a soul winner. And I asked him to help me lead somebody to Christ soon. The next day, this is a Christian camp. The next day, it was free time, but it was, they were all supposed to be it. And I was in charge of the basketball court. And three guys wandered on, on to the campus of the camp. They came over and they weren't campers. I was like, what are you guys doing here? Oh, we mm-hmm. saw you playing basketball. They said, we wanted to play. So I played with them and we played uh, two on two and then some one on one. And I didn't know how to lead anybody to Christ, but I remember going right over to them and just blurting it out. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a plan and I didn't know what to do, but I just started talking about Jesus and asked them if they wanted to be saved. Two of them said, yes, we do. Oh, <laughs> and wow. I took them back to my cabin and tried to tell them the best I could. Uh-huh. blubbered through it in a huge way, but two of them got saved. And so my passion was o- overcame my fear. I believe that something that will help every Christian is to learn a plan, learn a plan. You know, you say, well, I don't have time. Sure you do. Everybody's got time to learn a plan. You learn recipes, Mm-hmm. You know, you learn uh, my oldest granddaughter who's learning to to drive. She showed me all that she has to study now to just be able to pass her test. We have time for what's important to us. Right. Learn a plan. If it's a Roman's road, learn the plan. If it's James Merritt, bad news, uh, worse news, good news, best news, and verses that go along with it, something, but learn it so that when the opportunity comes, you are ready. I think it's really important for people to realize and remember, Mark Cahill said this. He said, giving the gospel is not a presentation. It is a 
conversation. Mm -hmm. And so just converse with people, talk with people, share with people. I, honestly, people won't believe this that know me, but I'm, I'm not Mr. Outgoing. I've had to make myself be outgoing. And when it comes, I'd rather sit on the plane and not talk to anybody. I would rather go to the, on the beach like we did. And rather yeah. than to talk to that uh, group of rowdies, you know, <laughs> uh, I'd rather not just go chill and sit in my yeah. chair. But I did. And I enjoyed it. And I gave them the gospel. And it was fun. And now I can pray for them. You know why people don't have a burden for the lost? Because they don't yeah, go right. to them yeah. understanding and realizing they're mm -hmm. going to either well, heaven and or those. Those kids that you're talking about, which you had talked about in your sermon about meeting them, and they were wild and Crazy. had lots to say, and they found out that you're a pastor, and I don't even know if I told you, but I talked to them after you were finished and walked away, and, and one of the guys was like, he was the one with uh, the saying the most language, mm -hmm. I would say. And he was like, I just like learned about Jesus. Hmm. And I was like, wow, like this guy just talked to dad for a few minutes. And he's, he's telling me literally said, like, I just learned about Jesus. That's and great. his friend was there and she said, I go to church. And she said, I clearly am not doing a very good job with my friends. Hmm. And I was like, wow, like, how cool that, I don't even think I ever told you that. No, but you didn't. I didn't know that. The fact that you did, you like were an awesome godly example for these girls who do go to church and then for the guys who didn't know anything about Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and it's very interesting that, you know, you, I'm not like them. I maybe used to be, yeah. but I'm not like them and I haven't been for decades right. and I don't identify <laughs> with them anymore. But I connected with them and just by talking to them and, and, and I spent 20 minutes just talking about life and we were just kind of goofing off after a while. And then God gave me the opportunity to present the gospel. And that's what Mark Cahill means when he says presenting the gospel is a conversation, right. not a presentation. Right. Well, and I think another area that I wanted to talk to you about in closing was how you talked about Jonah with his pride. Mm. And I think as Christians, at least maybe I should speak for myself and say like, that's something that's probably the hardest thing to admit, you know? And I want to, um, when I think of things and why, why am I responding like this? Or why am I quick to think that instead of, you know, with God's grace or whatever. And it, it could be, from pride in different circumstances. And so I just wanted to ask you a few questions with that is, you know, why would you say that it's easy for us as Christians to slip into pride in our lives? Well, God hates pride. We all know that. That's what brought Satan, uh, Lucifer to, to the fall uh, out of heaven. Uh, I think that it's easy for pride to be a blind spot with most people. Mm -hmm. There are some people that know they're proud. Maybe they're the greatest at something. Maybe they're the most popular in their school. Maybe they're, you know, the always the CEO of whatever company they go to. And they 
maybe know that, man, sometimes I think more, but they don't tell people that. But most of us probably have it, but it's a blind spot, I believe. And I think that um, one of the things that identifies pride is coldness of heart, which goes back to good old Jonah, who he hated the Ninevites. And most of us would say yes, and for good reason. And yet the whole gospel story is given in the book of Jonah. John 3.16 is the great verse that can be seen by the end of the chapter because God loves the Ninevites just as much as he loved good old Jonah. And so oftentimes we have people that we identify with and those are the people that we love and we don't care so much about others. That's pride. Mm. Go all the way. And when, when we get cold in our heart, we shut ourselves off from other people that we don't care for, that are not as much like we are. And you go all the way, actually, to the first John. It's love that is the badge of a Christ follower. Love. Right. And so when I don't sense that I'm loving the lost like I should, or when I sense that I'm not loving others like I should... I better step back and say, <laughs> pride's stepping in. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's a real sign of uh, of pride in our life. Would you say that there are any other ways to see it? Like if we're kind of like, I think maybe, I don't know, I have pride in this area. Would you say that, do you ever ask anybody? Like, have you ever had a time where you're like, Maybe with mom. She probably was the easiest person for you to ask. Like, <laughs> I can't picture you being like, hey, Tiffany, do you think I'm proud? <laughs> well, I, I don't think Joy ever. Honestly, oh, okay, not, not to get off on another rabbit trail, but sometimes a lack of self-esteem can be a sense of pride. You know, some people, their pride can be with sticking your nose up, or sometimes pride mm-hmm. is always ha- having your head down. And so pride has a lot of different faces. The greatest source to ask is God. Ask God if there's pride in your life. And I can tell, I I do remember a time where I was reading just my quiet time, my devotions came to James chapter 5, I believe it is, and where it talked about preferring others you know, and, and, and having mm-hmm. uh, a certain group of people that you will love more than others and all. I remember, I remember it because I actually broke down in my own quiet time by myself because God revealed to me the pride that I had, uh, you know, preferring certain people, maybe the, a group of people over others. Mm-hmm. And so God is the greatest source. He'll make sure he shows you if we seek for his, his face to ask him. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a good idea to ask uh, your mentor, your friends, you know, people that you have confidence in. Yeah. What would you, how would you say somebody, if they do see that in their life, how would, how, what's the best way to get it out of your life or really work on improving that? More love for Jesus. The more we love Jesus, the less pride we will have. The more we love Jesus, here's what we'll find. When we really are growing in our love for Jesus, we will have more love for others. Mm-hmm. We will have more love for others, First John. And that means we will share our faith. And so the more we love Jesus, the more we will have love for others, which will bring about less love of self 
and less pride. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing and going deeper with us on Jonah. And um, it's just been nice to, again, sit with you and ask you some more questions. Is there anything else you want to say to end this? I just think that Jonah is a really strong book that probably we should read more Mm -hmm. than what we do. And, um, you know, it's really, it touches my own heart. I, you know, I always pray every week, every week I pray, God, give me good impression so that I'll have good expression when I preach on Sunday. And God really puts it in my heart and in my life and impresses it upon my soul before I get up to share uh, by preaching. And so Jonah's been this whole series for me has been good. And it's really shown me, you know, the the title of the series again is People Like You and Me. Mm-hmm. And it just again shows us that these people weren't on some spiritual mountain and were down somewhere just kind of, you know, we're, we're just like they are. Right. And they were just like we are. And um, we just need to understand that God can take us and use us in great ways uh, and uh, we need to stop thinking, no, not me. I can't be used. Yes, you can. Everybody can be used. And what a wonderful thing it is to see the way God uses open hearts and willing vessels to share the gospel and to be a light in this world. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so thankful for God's word and just how it, just like you just said, there's so many times in my life where I'm like, you feel alone and then you go to God's word and you're like, you know, God helped them through it. Right. And I think it was so interesting how you ended it and said, like, we don't know what happened really where Jonah's life went from there. Right. And I don't think ever so much wisdom, dad. That <laughs> Well, not really. <laughs> um, I just had never really thought about that. And so many times we think like, oh, people are watching and wanting to know our story. And really, it, we're living for God. And if we focus on that and eternity, then... So much falls into place in our life. And I want to ask you before we close for anybody who maybe lives in our town that is listening to this podcast, we have something pretty big coming up in a little while. And I wanted to ask you if you would share about that real fast. Yes. Not this coming weekend, but the weekend of the 26th and 27th. The no. 20th. Oh, excuse me. Boy, oh boy. That's why I have <laughs> Tiffany right here. There is something big happening in the 27th that's on my mind and on my heart. But next weekend, the 20th, we have Crystal Evans Hurst that will be speaking to the ladies in the Family Life Center. There's a huge group of ladies that are coming to hear her because her dad on Sunday, August 20th. Now yes. remember that. Crystal is the 19th. Yes. And that's August 20th. Dr. Tony Evans mm-hmm. will be preaching right here at First Baptist Church of Glen Esty. Um, we connected because his wife passed away about a year before my wife, Joy, passed away. And he reached out to me. And I, I really don't even know. Uh, it was through a mutual friend, and I don't even know how that all happened. But we've stayed connected. And he has uh, agreed to come and preach for me right here in mm-hmm. Cincinnati. So he'll be preaching on August the 20th, we have a service at 9 o'clock and another one at 10.30. We're expecting both services to be full. We are greatly anticipating that. And, uh, you know, Dr. Tony Evans is not easy to get, and he usually is preaching to 
thousands and thousands and thousands of people in Colosseums, but he'll be preaching here at our church. So come, we would love to have you. And then that night we're having Celebrate America. And that is an outreach that we put on for our community. And there'll be a car show. There'll, there will be uh, Bradley uh, Bradley Knight, Knight will be yep. here with his wife. They'll be having great, amazing music. We'll be having inflatables for the kids, food trucks, and then we'll be ending the night with Rosie fireworks, which are the best, I believe, in Cincinnati. So it's a great weekend. We're really looking forward to it. And we just, I want to invite you personally to come. Our people uh, will be welcoming and so inviting to you. So come and be a part of our weekend and we'll love it. Yeah. And if um, you're not in town, pray with us for that weekend that God will work and that people will accept him and that we'll just be a blessing to our community through the outreach also. But um, we just want to thank you again for listening. And if this was a blessing, share this podcast with somebody. And um, just thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.